you're in the right place. The place where you can learn to improve your health and achieve wellness naturally. You're in the right place. This is Naturally Speaking, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome in, everybody. You've got Naturally Speaking here with the Institute of Natural Health. We're here today in the Caldi's Coffee Studio. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Seth Gerlach. I'm a chiropractor by trade. I've got a diplomate in internal diagnosis. I was really sick as a child and teenager, and I've rebuilt myself from the ground up. I uh, fell in love with natural medicine, and now I, I like to uh, help other people do the same. Also with us is Dr. T.J. Williams. He's a smart cat in with us today. He's a doctor of chiropractic. He's got a Ph.D. He's also got a diplomate in internal diagnosis. Say hi, T.J. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dr. T.J. teaches all around the country. He uh, researches all the time, and he loves teaching people about how to get healthy. Isn't that right? That is correct. That also, is correct. It's a simple game. It's a fun game. We enjoy it. <laughs> also with us is Miss Erin Flynn. She keeps us on track during this show. We'd like to run off the rails sometimes. She puts us back on nicely and neatly. She comes to you from a patient perspective. She asks, asks questions that maybe you would ask. So say hi, Erin. She's in Hello, today. Everyone. She'll be chiming in from time to time with questions. Here and there, so she, she puts her arm up from time to time. We we know when we need to to call on her. Right, right. So today is a full show. We're gonna jump right in. Today we're talking all things gluten. Gluten, gluten, gluten. And next weekend there's a big gluten-free, allergen-free event coming to St. Louis. We have the one and only Nikki Everett here today. She puts these on all around the country, and she's going to talk to us today about it. We're very excited to have her. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're so excited. Well, it's going to be great. So we're going to uh, step aside for a minute. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk to Nikki, see what she has to say about this event, and a little more on gluten. Stick with us. Today's going to be a great show. You're listening to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health on the Big 550 KTRS. We'll be back right after this. place you're listening to naturally speaking naturally speaking the show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on ktrs welcome back to naturally speaking with the institute of natural health i am dr seth gerlach along with dr tj williams and miss aaron flynn today we're talking all things gluten and it just so happens that next weekend we have a big gluten-free allergen-free event coming to st louis and here to talk to us about that is Miss Nikki Everett. Say hi, Nikki. Hi, how's it going? Hey, Wonderful. Nikki. We are great. Hey, so let's just jump right in here, Nikki. So can you tell us a little bit about this event that's going on next weekend in St. Louis? Absolutely. I am excited for the third year that we'll be holding the event in the St. Louis area. And the event just continues to grow. This year we will be at the Holiday Inn Southwest Route 66 at 10709 Watson Road from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on May 21st. And listeners can find out more about the event and pre-register, which enters them into a drawing for up to $1,000 in door prizes. Wow. Whoa. Look at out now. www.gfafwellnessevent.com. That's G as in George, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, 
wellnessevent.com. And so if they pre-register, they get entered into this drawing, and we call out prizes at 215, and they can win just loads of prizes. So that's wonderful. That is fantastic. I didn't realize we were having all these giveaways this year. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. We um, we incorporated that into this year because I love to have people pre-register and really make a commitment to come and learn and experience the event. And it is a wide variety. Like if somebody has not is listening and hasn't been to one, not only is there gluten and allergen-free products, services, um, information, books, all of that available to them. But we also have speakers, so, you know, and you guys are going to be speaking. We are. We are, and we're very excited to speak on, uh, I believe we're doing Hashimoto's uh, yep. hypothyroidism. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And and don't forget to mention the samples. If I remember correctly from last year's event, there were a lot of people, a lot of vendors that had a lot of samples for people to get out there and try these gluten-free Absolutely. foods. Absolutely. That is a big part of the event, you know, um, you it's so much of what is out there sometimes can't taste, you know, doesn't taste good. So that was one of our big things about making these events happen was to have quality products that actually do taste good. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's no fun eating food if it doesn't taste good, right? Absolutely. And I think that's probably part of the reason that people um, avoid or think that it may be something they don't want to try for their health is only because they've heard so much bad press about it and, and actually, things have gotten a lot better. It's very, very true, very true. Things are way better than they used to be. So answer me this. Why exactly did you start planning the events for the gluten and allergy-free community in the first place? Well, I appreciate you asking that question. Um, I get asked that question a lot. But nine years ago, it's been nine years now, which is pretty staggering in itself, um, my daughter was six years old. And she became chronically ill with gastro-related symptoms. Um, she had stomach aches all the time. She had uh, brain fog um, and had a hard time in school. And it just continued to get worse until she was literally crawling to the, the wastebasket to vomit. And oh, we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And it took us over a year to actually get her diagnosed. And then once... She finally was diagnosed with celiac disease. We find, we ended up buying gluten-free foods, which were, as we were talking about earlier, a lot harder to find, especially nine years ago, and weren't near as tasty as they have started becoming in the past few years. So, you know, she was very angry at being unable to eat the foods that she loved and at, and all the food marketing that you know is just pushed upon our kids right. for foods that she couldn't eat, you know. Um, right. So she couldn't watch a cartoon and not see a advertisement for McDonald's Happy Meals, or she couldn't, you know, and later this was a blessing, and I realize that now, but and I think she does too. But um, at the time, she was really angry, so I was trying to find a way. I saw it as or recognized it as being a depression over what she could not have anymore. So... so I sought out a support group in the local area where we're from, which is Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, I took her to that. I took her to a dinner where they were all eating dinner, and she ate dinner with a child who was her age. And after eating with her, we walked out, and she said, "See, Mom, there are kids just like me." And she was so excited about it, I and bet I was, she was like, 
And that's when I thought, okay, we got to have a kids group, you know. Right, right. So I put together a support group for children in Charlotte. And then that in turn, uh, after a year, we attended a gluten-free food fair in Asheville, North Carolina, which led me to think that we should do one in Charlotte. And so after holding the first successful event in Charlotte, people from all over the country started emailing me and asking me to hold one in their city. And so Debbie Simpson, who is a local author, and she'll be at the show in St. Louis, um, and she's also an advocate who had put together the support group in St. Louis, called me and asked me about hosting one in St. Louis, and that's what brought us there. That's And, and we're so excited that you're coming. This is... I think the old saying goes something like necessity is the mother of invention or, or something like that. It, it sounds like, you know, you had a child, your your, your kid had a, an issue. We had to figure out a way to resolve that issue and, and let her know that, hey, you know what, you're not alone. There are, there are more and more people out there just like you. And I think that's very important for kids to know and for parents to know because we see in our practice more and more children coming in with all these issues with food-related things and – Helping them navigate the the waters out there is is just tremendous. Yeah, I think that people don't realize the emotional impact, and especially because it takes the average person around 6 to 10 years to get diagnosed in this country still. That is the average. Um, So children that are around that age of 6 to 7 are usually the ones that are getting diagnosed when they are children. Um, And so... That's a really hard age. I mean, every, it's very much about them trying to figure out who they are in the world. So I think that's why it has such emotional implications. And then you have the teenage years where they're trying to fit in. So, yeah, one in ten children now have a food allergy. These are staggering numbers. Yeah, one in – wow. I didn't realize it was quite so high. Um, that, it's it's unbelievable, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we like I said before, we see this in our clinic very frequently, and you know, helping helping the moms and dads holding their hands through the whole ordeal. You know, the the fact that they have to tell their child, no, you need to you need to have these things. It's it's very difficult and and a very emotional ride for them as well. Absolutely, I think I remember. Actually, I do remember not taking her grocery shopping because it was like. An emotional roller coaster from the time we walked in that door because everything is placed at their level to market to them. Um, and it was like she would bring me things and say, Can I have this? And I would say, No, you can't have this. And Aww. she would get angry. So we started this thing where um, I would have her read the label. And it was not only good in that it gave her some ownership and some power in the whole situation. But also it gave us the opportunity to have the dialogue of, okay, I can't pronounce that word, can you? And right, if right. you can't pronounce it, do you want to put it in your body? And she would go, no. And I was like, okay, good. That's it. That's, that's <laughs> it. You're, you're training the next generation. It's it's fantastic. And, and while you're on the subject of grocery stores, something that I've noticed personally, I, I myself am gluten-free as well, and, and actually Seth and, and Aaron are, are gluten-free as uh, along with me, Something I've noticed most recently is that, you know, you used to go into a grocery store in the St. Louis area and you would walk in and there'd be a small little section that was, quote, the health food aisle where you might get some awful tasting gluten-free products. And nowadays, that's not the case. They, these the, the gluten-free area has blown up so large that they've actually started sprinkling these things throughout your standard average Grocery stores, not your specialty stores, not your, you know, natural food stores. I'm talking, you know, mainstream 
grocery stores are starting to are starting to put these things throughout their aisles. Is that something that you're noticing in your area as well? Oh yeah, well that's a national market. I mean, if you have to look at the fact that gluten-free is actually a trend now, um, which you know that has benefits and blowback. Um, it has benefits for a multitude of reasons in that, of course, you can walk into a store and you can find it now, um, which was a big thing when I, when we became gluten-free, our whole family, um, you know, going into a grocery store that was a health food store that we really weren't used to going into because I was a single mom for years and, you know, I wasn't accustomed to going into a health food store to buy everything. So, you know, it was like a whole other realm. But, you know, the gluten-free market has continued to boom. And so now 30% of people that may or may not have an issue are trying gluten-free. So, you know, it's interesting how that has changed. The market has changed, and therefore your local stores are more invested in bringing that and having that market. Yeah, that's great. I think the consumers are driving it, too. Same thing with the organic, uh, things like that, too. So we're seeing a lot more of the gluten-free and the organic in stores, which is great. And I think I saw that the gluten-free business is uh, now $2 billion a year in America. Do you know if that's right? Yeah, I don't know that exact number. I do know that the market has increased and is going to increase continually yep. from now until 2020. And they're saying double-digit increase. So wow. um, we're looking at like around 12% increase per year. Whoa. Wow, that's, that, that's almost as much as health insurance goes up per year. It's it's a large market growth. I mean, it's it's way past what Atkins did. Um, and wow. probably because you have a multitude of issues that are relieved with gluten-free, in my opinion. And I don't know that everybody's looking for diagnosis or getting diagnosed. That's probably the bigger picture is how many people are not being diagnosed that should be. Right, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Hey, Nikki, we got to take a quick break. You, you want to stay with us and come back with us on the other side of this uh, break and talk a little more? Absolutely. Great. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the... There really is a better way to live. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking from the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. I am Dr. Seth Gerlach, along with Dr. T.J. Williams and Miss Erin Flynn. Today we're talking all things gluten, and we are very lucky to have Miss Nikki Everett with us. She is the director of the Gluten-Free, Allergen-Free event in St. Louis coming next weekend, and we're talking a little bit about that today. So, Nikki, are you still with us there? I am still with you guys. Perfect. Hi, Nikki. This is Erin, and I had a question for you. Um, you had mentioned at the end of the last segment that a lot of people haven't been diagnosed with celiac or gluten sensitivity but may feel that they have an issue. Can you tell our listeners what benefit those people might have um, by coming to the event? Sure. I think that there is a wide range of benefits that they will get from coming to the event uh, one, they get to learn about what's local and national businesses are available and are doing allergen-free right so that they have quality products and know where they can purchase those products to help support their local economy. And they get to meet the food producers in person, which is a major plus. 
Um, but they also get to attend presentations from local and national speakers who are experts on living gluten, on gluten-free and allergen-free. And we're lucky, like I said, to have you guys speaking at the event, um, TJ and Seth, with um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is a common issue for attendees. And we also have the president of the Celiac Support Association speaking on food labeling laws. The dietitian for Schnucks Market is going to give a presentation about nutritional needs on a gluten-free diet and much, much more. But the presentations run all day, and so it gives somebody who hasn't been diagnosed or is looking for what's possibly wrong with them somebody to relate to as far as um, um, possibly symptoms that they're experiencing or issues they're having. And plus, there's just no words for the feeling that someone gets when communing with other people just like themselves who are facing the same struggle that they are facing, and especially if they're newly diagnosed or cannot get an accurate diagnosis. Oh, I I think that's definitely true. Um, as far as, I know you said it's been about seven years since your daughter was diagnosed. Nine. Nine years. Yeah. Um, what have you learned uh, by this process of, starting the different events in different cities? Well, um, from other attendees as well as ourselves, you know, the number one common theme that comes from them is how far they still have, we still have to go for physicians and health practitioners to diagnose them properly and in a timely fashion. Um, There seems to be so many physicians who are still just not getting it and relying on their patients to be their educators, or worse yet, they are not taking the time to actually listen to patients. That's been the number one thing I hear back from attendees, and that's interesting Do you think- that it just still hasn't gone very far. But if you look at um, diagnosis rates overall, they really aren't rising at a great rate. I think once we get more accurate diagnosis and quicker and less costly diagnosis processes, then that will increase tremendously. So um, definitely, you know, in our experience, we were given antiacids. That's what they prescribed my daughter. And then when that didn't work, they suggested that she was psychiatrically ill, you know, that she had made this up in her head. And we were finally fortunate enough to finally take her to a specialist, Dr. Iverhill, who's with the Nationwide Children's Hospital um, in Columbus, Ohio, and he's written like 70 p- peer-reviewed journals on celiac disease. So it was the first time we didn't feel crazy. So I think that one of the big things I learned was it definitely pays to take someone to someone who is a specialist, who really focuses on the issues that present that may be gluten intolerance or celiac disease. Try to get diagnosed, if nothing else, for your insurance purposes as well as the tax break. You do get a tax break if you do have celiac disease, and it is worth it when it comes to cost of food. And then the second most common theme has been that family members, spouses, commonly or sometimes do not support the attendees that I meet emotionally or in the home, which makes them attending this event even more special once they meet people like themselves, like we were talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. I And I'm sure that is much more difficult if you're living with someone who isn't gluten-free, because I know even for myself, and I can't imagine, you know, with a young child, it there are so many foods out there that you want to eat 
that have gluten in them. And if they're in your own home, it makes it that much more difficult. So, oh yeah, but you know, even especially for a spouse situation, you know, and to be honest, if you're really reactive and your spouse has something to eat that has gluten in it, and then they don't brush their teeth or whatever, you you risk that cross contamination too. So just intimate time as well. Right. But um. But yeah, I have even, I, I find it a phenomenon that I don't relate to because being a mom, I was ready to go to bat for my kid um, and be gluten-free, no issue. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have even heard of divorce over it. Wow. I, I really also think it's amazing that you listened to what, you know, your child was saying to you, the complaints that she had, and you knew that there was an actual problem because I think hearing your story, it makes me realize how many parents there probably are out there whose child's may, who, whose children may be complaining and they take them to the doctor and they assume, oh, well, they must be making it up or they need an antacid or something. I and, mean, I'm human. Let me just say that I am human. And there were times I did question it. You know, I was really looking at her going, is she making this up? I mean, <laughs> you know, you start to go there in your own head. Um Right. But it was just too obvious, like the, the signs were there. When they're crawling to the wastebasket to vomit, you know that it's not in their head. Yeah. Um, and it starts to become this thing where you're like, look, I know my kid would rather be well than sick. And it's not a Munchausen syndrome, you know. Right. <laughs> it's it's real. <laughs> and so that's why, you know, I was so frustrated with the medical community when we went. And we did go to a pediatric gastroenterologist specialist um, at the time. And so I was really disappointed with that. And funny enough, it was like Halloween and she was up all night, vomiting, sick, you know. I knew something was up. That's when I called him the next morning and I said, I don't care what you do, get invasive. And so he ordered the endoscopy. And, you know, it turned out that she had celiac. And he handed me the diagnosis, you know, gave me the diagnosis, handed me a dietitian card and said, just go gluten-free. And he turned around and walked out. I think he was angry at me because <laughs> I had been so pushy. <laughs> but I'm glad I was pushy. Right. You know? And, and so your daughter is too, I'm you sure. you have to be your own advocate too. Yeah. You always have to be your own advocate, for sure. Yeah. So, Nikki, why don't you uh, recap for us what we went over today and uh, what? how do we find a gluten-free, wellness-free event and um, things like that? Absolutely. So, um, I definitely want all your listeners to come and visit us. I think they'll have a blast. There's tons of samples. Like we said, you get a free shopping bag when you come in so that you can purchase everything that you want to purchase. Some people will be will be running show deals, and that's always a plus. Uh, so you can find out more information by going to the website, which again is www.gfaf as in gluten free, allergen free, gfafwellnessevent.com. They can pre-register, which enters them into the thousand dollar drawing uh, for prizes, door prizes, and. Um, the event runs from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on May 21st at the Holiday Inn Southwest Route 66. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nikki. We had some amazing times talking to you today. That's a great story you've got. And uh, keep on doing the world a service by bringing this to people around the country. That's awesome. Thank you for having me on. Great. We look forward to seeing you next weekend. L- looking forward to it. See you then. All right. Take care, Nikki. You too. All right, guys, so thanks for sticking with
the right place. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking. The show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. I am Dr. Seth Gerlach and with Dr. TJ Williams and Miss Erin Flynn. Today we're talking all things gluten. What is it? Why is it so bad? And we even talked a little bit about the gluten-free, allergen-free event coming to St. Louis next weekend. So let's get into gluten here. What is gluten? So a lot of people have probably heard a lot about gluten lately. It's a new uh, diet fad and things like that. But gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, oats, rye, spelt, and some other things here and there. Those are the main things that it's in. And what it does, it makes those things sticky. So like your nice Wonder Bread, it's nice and sticky. You know, you can roll it in a ball. Well, gluten is what makes it nice and sticky. So when you hear gluten, think of glue. And so not only is it in the wheat, barley, rye, oats, things like that, but it can also be found in hidden things like you wouldn't even think about, like a soy sauce or maybe even processed hot dogs or lunch meats and things like that. Even certain medications have gluten in them. That's it's right. It's insane. And, and we have a copy of a, of, a, of a page that's got some, some gluten-free medications, and I'm, I'm actually amazed at the number of medications that are available out there gluten-free. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that thyroid medication was glu- came gluten-free. I had no idea. Right. I'm, I'm less amazed that it can be gluten-free than that it had gluten in it to begin with. <laughs> Good point. It, yeah, it had that's what I'm thinking. gluten in it. Yes. I mean, how are they going to get that tablet to stick together, I guess? I guess. I don't know. Like, even some envelopes that you know that you lick to stick together, some of those have gluten on them. <laughs> now you're going to go back to uh, Seinfeld and George Costanza, yep. <laughs> his girlfriend <laughs> or fiance. That yep. was the glue. It was the glue. <laughs> Nice. So what? So what is wrong with gluten today, and why is it causing everyone all these troubles? Because I know we have a 400 inc- 400% increase in celiac in the last 50 years, and we think more people are gluten intolerant than ever. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Fine, he's a researcher in MD, actually, he estimates that 81% of Americans are gluten intolerant. 81%. Whoa. Whoa. That's a lot. I, I heard the I heard the listeners break screeching right there. <laughs> oh. Oh my God! Eighty-one percent. Wow. Well, I'm one of them, and Aaron is one of them, and you are one of them. Yep. So there's three out of three. There's 100 percent of this room. Exactly. Yep. And so we, what we do is we test for this. So it's it's hard to really know unless you really test for it. Um. One thing though, why is gluten bad now? Why is it bad all of a sudden? Well, the our food has been manipulated over the past, especially 40, 50 years or so, and now the Gluten in breads and things like that has increased 40 times what it was 100 years ago. So you're getting that much more gluten every single time you pick up a cracker, a pizza, a biscuit, a piece of bread, anything. Biscuits. You said biscuits. Easier over there. I know. I eat gluten-free biscuits. Well, a lot of people, I mean, they wake up in the morning and they have either cereal or a piece of toast or a waffle and for the mor- uh, for breakfast and then they're having a sandwich with lunch, and then for dinner they're having, you know, a pizza or pasta, things like that. Before you know it, you've got gluten at every meal. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. We, we always ask people, what's a typical diet look like for you? And, you know, we basically say, well, you had gluten for breakfast, and you had <laughs> gluten for lunch, and you had gluten for dinner, and gluten was your snack, and you take four medications, and they all have gluten in them. So, you you know, you've got a lot of gluten that you're consuming. Yes. Aaron, do you have a question? Aaron's got her hand up for something. Well, I was wondering, you had talked about testing 
what are the tests for celiac and for gluten sensitivity? I understand that those are two separate things. So are they tested differently? And how do you find out if you have a problem with gluten? Well, the standard for celiac still is a, a biopsy. So that's kind of hard to do, but you can also do um, transglutaminase is another way to test. Yeah, there, there's, there are things out there called gliadins, the, like Seth said, transglutaminases. There are a lot of different things. And, you know, running the specialty tests that are specific for gluten sensitivity. Now, we're not talking allergy here. We're not necessarily saying that, you know, you have celiac, but a lot of people, like we said, are gluten sensitive. So these are the types of people... If, if they have a sensitivity where gluten causes them to, you know, their joints to hurt or causes them to get short-tempered, um, I, I can attest to that. And, and Seth will agree that I get very short-tempered if I get into gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've even talked about that on the show here before. Um, whereas, like, people that have celiac disease, if they eat gluten, typically they're making a quick trip to the bathroom because it's going right through them creating a big problem. And a lot of them, you know, know that, something is wrong they just can't necessarily pinpoint it right and a lot of a lot of doctors today are having trouble one diagnosing celiac and two thinking that if you don't have celiac then you're fine to eat as much gluten as you want which we're finding that that's not the case right and there there are some reasons for that i don't know if we want to get into those reasons right this second but you know i I will touch on one of them our 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 body makes this stuff called called zonulin um and this zonulin what it does is it unlocks the these things called tight junctions that hold all of the cells of our, our small intestine together. So if, if you think of zonulin as like a crowbar prying open your cells of your small intestine every time you eat gluten, you can see really quickly that you're going to have problems. And when we when we eat that over and over and over again, think about the crowbar getting bigger and bigger and bigger and creating more and more holes. That's when things leak through. We know that... a big portion of our immune system is in our intestines and so all these particles get through there and just aggravate our immune system and boom now we've got an immune reaction we that we're starting down the fast track to autoimmune conditions and other autoimmune diseases that we really don't want to go down that track and is that with a gluten sensitivity as well as celiac or is that only if you have been diagnosed with celiac disease that's a great question that actually happens in healthy people people who don't have a sensitivity or celiac disease. Yeah, so that's what they call it the silent killer because you could be eating gluten for decades, decades, and decades and tearing up your gut, tearing up your immune system for this whole time, and then one day you wake up with an autoimmune disease or, you know, any kind of neurological disease, things like this. Yeah, the New England Journal of Medicine, a relatively prestigious journal out there, published that there are 55 diseases that are caused by gluten. Some of those things being schizophrenia, psoriasis, type 1 diabetes, eczema, multiple sclerosis, Graves' disease, epilepsy, migraines, infertility. The list goes on and on for 55 of them, folks. That's just gluten all by its little old lonesome, creating all kinds of damage in your body. So should no one be eating gluten? We don't think so. We are not big fans. I will say, though, that we have had some patients go to like Europe, things like that, where the wheat has not been um, changed as much as American wheat, and they eat pasta or eat pizza, and they're, they don't feel it. You yeah, know? They, have, they have much less problems wow. if they have any problems at all. That's amazing. So it's different in the United States than it is even in other countries? Yep. Good old USA. America. That's right. 
while we're out, while we're talking about studies, there's another study, and I'll put this on the Facebook page, uh, that gluten cuts off blood flow to the brain. Whoa. Yes. Blood flow to, you know, last time I had blood flow cut off to the brain, I passed out. Yeah, that's not good. No. So that's why they're seeing a lot of these neurological conditions resolve on a gluten-free diet. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. If anyone comes to us that has any kind of neurologic sign, symptom, complaint, anything, the very first thing we say is, you know what, we're going to test you, but in the meantime, you stop eating gluten as of yesterday. Yesterday is the most important day to have started not eating gluten. What I think is really amazing to me, if I understand you correctly, is that there are a lot of people out there who may have thought at some point that they had a gluten a problem with gluten, they've been tested, been told they don't have celiac disease, and you're saying that gluten may still be an issue for these people? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that exact thing because the standard test for celiac disease just tests a couple of little things, and you have to have really advanced issues to for those things to be positive. But we see a lot of people who have that stuff negative, but when we start running these specialty lab tests that all these guys really do is, is work on testing for gluten sensitivities, these gliadins and transglutaminases, people are positive for those. And we have to treat those as if they have celiac disease as well. I mean, I, I, I can I can talk about my own personal story of going through this. I mean, I didn't realize that I was getting short-tempered, and I didn't realize that I was getting angry, and I didn't realize a lot of these body aches and pains that I was having was attributed to gluten. I did the food sensitivity test, figured out, okay, well, I'm not supposed to have gluten, and as soon as I started eliminating it, people around me were like, what did, what did you do? You're, you're nowhere near as short-tempered as you used to be. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I also I, I don't have the body aches and pains. My knees don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt. And you just thought everyone around you was getting a lot nicer? I, 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 guess, I guess I did. <laughs> they finally changed. People yeah. wanted to hang out with me finally. It was, it was kind of nice. I wasn't alone in the world. can't believe you still have friends. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I do. Okay. Okay, so guys, so when we come back, we're going to talk about some at-home tips. If you think you're gluten intolerant, um, some steps to take at home if you want to watch your intake of gluten. So that'll be really something to tune in for. Uh, you're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. <laughs> 